Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Bruins played two games against two teams from the state of New York this weekend, and both games went to took more than regulation to figure out. Bruins took the first one over the Islanders on Long Island uh, in a shootout, and then they fell to the Rangers at the Garden yesterday. Bridget and Scott opening shifts from the weekend. Well, David Postelnak got ejected for the first time in his career. Um on a, a boarding of Ryan Lindgren, which, you know, Pasternak had really brought the physicality, uh, was one of several Bruins who kind of turned it up a notch on Saturday and uh, had landed a really good clean hit on Lindgren earlier in, in the second period. And then kind of, you know, catches him a little from behind, right on the left shoulder, drives him face first into the dasher. There was some blood. And they, they called a major on the ice, went to review, upheld the call, five minutes, game misconduct. Jim Montgomery after the game said he didn't agree with it, didn't think he got him in the numbers at all, compared it to uh, Giovanni Smith's hit from behind him, Brad Marchand a couple weeks ago. That was only a two-minute minor. And I would say I partially agree with him, partially disagree with him. I, I agree that the NHL has been extremely inconsistent on hits from behind. And that's a problem because guys just don't know what boarding is two minutes and which one's going to get them ejected. Um, that said, I did think Pasternak got him from behind. And in, in my perfect world, that is five minutes in a game. Um, I thought it was a pretty dangerous hit. I think he, he, it almost looked like he expected Lindgren to kind of turn towards him and Lindgren just never did. He kind of kept his back turned the whole time. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was a tough hit for Pasenak. I'm sure, you know, we can break it down. There's, it doesn't look like there's going to be any supplemental discipline. So looks like it'll just stay at the the one game and Pasenak will be fine for Tuesday. 
Yeah, and had really hard to lose him in a game and not have him in overtime and, you know, not have him the rest of the way through the third period. But um, my opening shift has to do with the Bruins defense. Uh, McAvoy's been out, Forbert's been out, and we've seen a few different defensemen come in uh, in relief. Mason Lorai's been up uh, ever since Forbert went out of the lineup. And Ian Mitchell came up and played a few games, but he was just recently optioned back to Providence. Uh, and instead, Parker Weatherspoon has come up and played the last two games against the Islanders and the Rangers. Um, eventually, we'll get to you guys' thoughts on how you think he played, if it's the right decision to to keep him up, um, send Mitchell down. I thought it was odd that he didn't play against either the Islanders or the Rangers, but that probably it, him being sent down probably is a little bit of a precursor potentially to getting McAvoy back. Yeah, and, and and for me, it was the second time we got a chance to see the the Bruins and the Rangers square off this year. Obviously, two of the top teams in the East. They've been kind of neck and neck for a while. So uh, the first time the Bruins played them on uh, in Madison Square Garden, it wasn't great. It was a, I want to say it was like a 7-4 loss or something like that. And it just, yeah, it was, it was a Swiss cheese type of night for the Bruins defensively. And then, uh, obviously, a closer game last night in Bridget, as you mentioned, um, losing, you know, your top player. And arguably one of the best forwards in the world, not named Connor McDavid, um, in the later stretch of that game doesn't help them, obviously. So, but I guess just how do you guys feel the Bruins stack up with the Rangers uh, as the the top dogs in the East? The records pretty similar. The points are the same. Rangers are above the Bruins for tiebreakers and whatnot. But um, the Rangers are a team on paper where you look at them and you say. It makes sense that they're, you know, towards the top of the conference. They have good goaltending. Jonathan Quicks kind of came out of nowhere and had a resurgence, obviously, behind Shesterkin. Um, the blue line is good. And up front, the Rangers have high-end skill and depth. The Bruins have a lot of that, um, but they, they they lack maybe, like, that extra high-end forward right now on, on their team. But they don't look too out of place uh, against the Rangers. They, do, do they look like equals when they square off against each other? I would say after this weekend, pretty close to it. Um, now, maybe you weren't quite getting either team's best because they're both coming off of back-to-back. Um, but to me, well, it was really – you touched on Brian, but it was really encouraging to see the Bruins play much better defensively against this team because we know the Rangers are a pretty high-flying team. They play a fairly wide-open style, and – down in New York, right after Thanksgiving, the Bruins got totally exposed. They had no answers. They were giving up odd man rushes, seam passes, like just could not defend anything to save their lives. And then this time around, not that it was perfect defensively. There were a couple of times they got stuck in the zone, but structurally much better. You didn't see nearly as many odd man rushes. You didn't see those seam passes through the slot in the offensive zone. Um, and they do it with McAvoy and Zaka out of the lineup, you know, two, two guys who are important to their, very important to their team defense. So I think that would make me feel better after seeing that. Um, I do think they're fairly close. Like, sure. The Rangers look more talented on paper, but there's question marks there. Like they don't, they've not been a very good five on five team this year. They're actually minus one at five on five for the season. So you know, I think five on five success tends to correlate to playoff success pretty well. So 
you know, the, the Rangers have now beaten the Bruins twice, but I think there's some question marks there. So yeah, if I'm the Bruins, I, I feel pretty good about my chances after this weekend. Not that, you know, I'm saying they're like clearly better than the Rangers or anything. I think it's obvious they're pretty close, but you can feel better after this than you did after that seven, four game. The Rangers are still, I mean, they're, they're the real deal. I mean, that's not like if, if we are talking about the Bruins and how they would match up against the Rangers in the playoffs, that'd be a long, uh, grueling series. And it'd be a frustrating one. I think that would be, I mean, it would be fun to have a Boston New York series, but, uh, it, it would be frustrating. We, we've seen the way the Rangers played the Bruins that first game. Um, and they, they pressure and they kind of take advantage of some of the Bruins weaknesses. But like you said, Scott, the Bruins being able to handle them, obviously they lose in overtime, but being able to do what they did defensively in the second matchup between the two teams without McAvoy and without Zaka and without Pasternak for, uh, you know, a chunk of the third, it, it was encouraging. Yeah. That, that last part too, I, I should have you know, mentioned that as well. Not only does Pasternak go down, but you also start without, without Zaka and, and McAvoy and, you know, just looking, um, just looking through the Bruins schedule, I'm trying to see what their what their record uh, is in clean games without Zaka and, and McAvoy. Um, I feel like it's uh, I was in the middle of looking that up, but I, I feel like the team's been playing pretty well without without those two guys. Like they've been they've been stepping up. Like Lindholm has been stepping up. Um, Carlos was stepping up. Obviously, Morgan Geeky's been stepping up in his role. Um, so that, it's also good to see that the you know. The Bruins played two really good teams this weekend. I mean, the Islanders are always stingy, but they've been playing some really good hockey. I think they they had points in eight or nine consecutive games, and obviously they play the Rangers tight. So it's good to see that when you're when you're not at full strength, it's t- you, you can't say this Bruins team doesn't have depth. It's it's not that they don't have clearly they have depth. It's just that they don't have, like I said earlier, they they do seem to be missing like like that that one higher end forward. Um, but if you don't have depth, I don't think you're you're playing as well as, as they have been and, and competing the way that they have been without, you know, what is on paper, your top center and obviously your top, your top defenseman. Yeah. And I think, you know, barring something crazy before the trade deadline, like this is probably going to be a Bruins team that has to grind out wins. And that's often how it is in the playoffs anyways. Um, they're just, they're going to have to do it throughout the regular season. And they certainly have so far, obviously, if you look at their records. So I think, that's, you know, pretty encouraging, like that they're still finding ways to win, finding ways to get points. Um, yeah, it's just, it's not going to be, there aren't going to be as many two, three, four goal wins as last year. It's just not going to happen. And they're not going to have as dynamic of an offense as, you know, I don't know, the Avalanche or Canucks or Vegas, like, because like you said, they don't have as much high end talent. They have, Pasternak, who's obviously one of the most dynamic players in the world. Marshan can still get hot, but maybe not as consistently as he did in his prime. And then after that, it's a lot of guys where you just need a couple guys to step up every night. And it's going to have to be by committee. And, you know, because you don't, you just don't have that consistent, I don't know, third scorer. And, you know, we can all hold out hope that Jake DeBrus gets going at some point and maybe he will, but right now he, he, he's not that, you know, he's not producing like that. So, um, 
yeah, they're going to have to grind out some more wins. But when you have the defense and goaltending that they have, that gives you a chance to do that. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yeah, and to speak to the depth, was kind of, I guess, kind of part of my opening shift um, having to do with you know, people stepping up without McAvoy and Forbert. But if you also look at the offensive side of things against the Islanders and the Rangers, a few different forwards shuffled in and out of the lineup. So Brown came in and played center for the Saturday game. Uh, and Lauko came out and uh, Boquist came and played his second game of the season against the Islanders on the right wing of the third line. And then obviously we've talked about how Morgan Geeky has moved up from being a fourth liner to, first of all, getting so much power play time and being on the top line with David Posternock. And he has taken that opportunity and completely run with it. So when we talked about the Bruins losing their first and second line center to start the season, you you no longer have Bergeron and you no longer have Krejci. Well, then all of a sudden, then you no longer have Zaka and uh Friday, you no longer had Potra because he was taking a rest day. So you, we're talking about uh, needing centers to step up and geeky played well as the first line center and on the power play and Trent Frederick had to play a game at center as well, which we've mentioned before. That's his natural position and he's done it before, but I think that was the first time this season or, you know, maybe he's done it in chunks here and there, but um, having to get other guys to contribute at center with Zaka out. Yeah. I, I thought, you know, I thought geeky obviously had, two really good games. And then I, I think a quieter game on Saturday. And to some extent, like that's expected because he's, he's not a true number one center. So he's probably not going to give you three, four, five games in a row like that. Um, yeah. I thought, I thought Frederick did pretty well at center on Friday. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously like, even though Gigi did a really good job filling in, I think you clearly do still miss Zaka. Um, just because it gives you gives you so much more depth, and I thought, you know, you you see Saturday, and it's obviously part of Geeky maybe having quieter night is that Pasternak goes, you know, gets ejected. Like maybe that line could have done something in the third period, even though they had been a little quieter to that point. But you you take Pasternak off, and all of a sudden, Geeky's just not going to be as effective at a center with different rotations of of wingers. Um, joining him. It's like, obviously having Pasternak on his right was a big reason for why he looked so good those previous two games. And essentially you're not a number one center as soon as Pasternak goes out of the game, because that's not your number one line anymore. So you're, you're kind of just um, throwing together different combinations at that point. We're seeing where geeky fits, but it's not a first line, but there's no Pasternak on it. Mm. Um, so to something I mentioned earlier, just, it's been, uh, it's been four games without McAvoy entirely and pretty much four games without Zaka entirely. I think he played one period, um, against, against Phoenix or Arizona, I should say, uh, and the Bruins are two Oh and two. So, uh, obviously they've, they've gotten points in every game, um, without the two of them. And also, you know, Matt Potra also was scratched against the Islanders. So there's, there's, you know, they've been out they've been without some, some contributors and, and, and to put up those points. Um, it's impressive. What did you guys make of, of Potra's game against the Rangers after getting scratched against the Islanders, a scheduled sitting um, we can 
debate till we're blue in the face. If we agree with it or not, it doesn't really matter at this point. It seems to be what the Bruins are going with for now. But he, you know, he impacts the game against the Rangers with another assist. Yeah, I, I think these back to backs are going to be like if you're looking ahead to try to predict when he maybe he's going to get a night off. That's going to be a natural place to start. Um, I thought he played well Saturday. You, you mentioned the assist, but even beyond that, I thought he was helping to create chances. Um, you know, I thought I thought his line was was good with Van Riemsdyk and Frederick. That might have been close, to like the best that we've seen that line, which I think other times that they've been together has not always clicked. Has maybe shown some flashes. I thought they had some, you know, pretty steady offensive zone time at times, and uh, Patra is a big part of that. And he has, you know, he has the nice rush and, and dish over to Van Riemsdyk on the on the wing. Um, on that rush that ends up leading to Frederick's goals. So yeah, good, good job by him coming back in. And, you know, the second interesting thing with Potter is they're still not announcing any decision on his world junior availability. But to me, a game like Saturday, is just more reason not to send him. Like everyone's, everyone's talking about, you know, his confidence and could he go, go get it back playing in world juniors. And it's like, you know how you get it back? You get back in the lineup on Saturday and get an assist. Like that's how you get your confidence back. I'm, I just wouldn't be that worried about it. Like I think he can, he can do that in Boston. Yeah, I hope they announce the decision on that sooner rather than later. But I did find it odd that they didn't rule it out yet. Um, though I think internally, that I the decision's probably already been made. They just haven't said so. Um, who knows? But. There was also a scary moment for Patra in Saturday's game where he in the sec kind of early on in the second period, he took that hit and landed and almost looked like on his wrist or or something and he had to go down the tunnel. I think he came back maybe six or seven minutes later. Luckily there was nothing um that happened with that and he played out the rest of the game. But um for a second there it was like, Oh wow, he he might be hurt, he might be out. And then, you know, I'm sure it crossed a lot of Bruins fans' mind like well, now there goes another center, um, but he ended up coming back and playing. And I did. I agree with you, Scott. I thought he played pretty well. So another notable moment from the Rangers game was uh, Trent Frederick, just a, an assist away from the Gordie Howe hat trick, obviously uh, took that inadvertent in air quotes, we'll call it uh, high stick from Jacob Truba. The last time that these two teams played in, uh, he got slapped with a with a hefty five thousand dollar fine for for these player standards. Uh, a lot of people thought it could have been a, a suspension, and I think the three of us here all thought it probably could have been a suspension for at least a game. Um, Jack Edwards said he should have been suspended for half a season. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he he said if it was Martian, yeah, it would have been half a season, right, which, right, which yeah. is probably true. That's probably true. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, friend, uh, yeah, friend. Trent Frederick takes matters into his own hands and, and he and Truba drop the gloves quick, quick, quick fight. But um, thoughts on Frederick taking on a guy who's you know pretty big in stature and, you know, Truba is tough. Yeah. Good for Frederick. Like you could tell that they were kind of jawing at each other, even in the first period. So you could tell, you know, Frederick kind of wanted that and maybe even to an extent felt like he, he needed it because you know, when that happened, Frederick had like almost no reaction and he's talked about it since. And basically it's like, he was just shocked. Like he didn't, it, he almost couldn't fathom that like 
Truba actually just two-handed him upside the head. And, you know, so he was, like, looking around, like, wait, what just happened? And, like, there was no penalty. So then he was like, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe it wasn't that or or something. Um, so I think he, yeah, you I think he was really caught confusion. off. It was, right. he was definitely confused. Like, yeah. wait, that's not your, because it seemed like the most obvious call ever. And then when they didn't call it, he was just so confused. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure some of it was like pride where it was like, he felt like he needed to, to answer to it himself. So yeah, that was good. I, I just thought he had a good game in, in general. Um, you know, the, the goal, the fight, I thought he was involved in a couple other chances. Um, had one, one shift that stood out where he like, was like borderline stiff arming Ranger, Rangers defenders, protecting the puck. And, um, you know, it's it pretty fitting for him to have a game like that on, it was one of the Bruins era nights and it was the lunch Pele Sierra, which the, the Bruins have now, they classified it as like 1976 to I think 85 or something. And really the lunch Pele C was like just the late seventies. Um, but John Wensink was one of the Bruins from that era who was in the house and on in pregame. And we got to talk to him between periods and I didn't know this, but he, like, he actually knows Trent Frederick and his family. Cause Wensick lives in St. Louis, Frederick's from St. Louis. And he was actually one of his coaches for a peewee tournament at one point. So um, it was funny. He was asked like, does anyone on this current team, you know, could they fit in on that, on that team? And he immediately said Frederick and then like talked about their relationship and pretty fitting that Frederick then goes out and has, that kind of game, like you said, you know, assist shy of the, of a Gordie Howe hat trick. It was funny. Cause in the first intermission, uh, Adam Pellerin talked to Frederick. Um, and he was like, I wanted to, I th- or maybe it was the second intermission. Um, he's like, I wanted to get that fight out of the way early because of the fact that, uh, of who was in the building and I uh, kind of fit in with the lunch pail era night and everything. Cause they showed, I mean, they had, guys come out of the penalty box <laughs> pregame for instead of come, they didn't all come out of the tunnel. Like some of them came out of the penalty box, including Mike Milbury. Um, and it was just a very symbolic, like, yeah, these guys uh, used to fight all the time. Uh, it was a tough team and Frederick might be the only one of the Bruins right now. Obviously we're not including Lucci because he's not with the team right now uh, and probably never will be again. Uh, he's probably the only guy on the roster that, kind of steps up to it and he I don't think he got his I don't think he got as much as he wanted to out of the fight he won it but it seemed like he would have liked to actually get a few more wax in on Truba um and it, it actually did happen right after Potra got hurt so it was like oh is he retaliating like is he mad about the hit and then I'm like nope that's Truba um that has everything to do with what happened between those two guys last game and the animosity has been there because we've heard Trent Frederick talk about this hit just random nights in between the the two games. Like he's been thinking about this for a while. Um, and I think that the team in general has, because it was in their opinion, a, a missed, not a missed call, but a, on top of the missed call at a suspension that should have come and never did. So you kind of have to take matters into your own hands. 
Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.